were you a 90s kid? I was a 90s kid. I was born in the 80s, and of course, the, the time that I can remember for the most part was the 90s. Being a 90s kid was so, so incredible and, and awesome, but we didn't have a lot of technology. It wasn't uh, a thing where you had a personal phone in your pocket and you could scroll on Instagram or Facebook. Well, we don't really do Facebook anymore, do we? I don't know. But Instagram for sure, YouTube, you didn't have the world in your pocket. And there's things about me that, that my origin story growing up in the 90s, it, it made me. It created things in me that I absolutely love to this day. Like, like for one, I remember growing up in the 90s, we lived outside. Mind blown, right? Mind blown. Not in the backyard, but actually the front yard. Like we hung out in the front yard. We hung out on the street. We hung out with neighbors. And we didn't really go inside until it got dark, until the streetlights came on, or like dinner time. And then, and then we'd actually just rush back outside. But it's crazy. Not only did we uh, get to play outside, but my parents actually allowed me to um, go miles away on my bike. It was just normal. You traveled everywhere on like your bike, skateboard, walking, running, whatever. But you were allowed to be outside. Uh, and I even think about too, growing up in the nineties, like we used to toilet paper people's houses like crazy ding dong ditch. And it was innocent fun. Now you really can't do that. Cause a ring doorbell lapsed. And then not only with the ring doorbell, but also you got like paranoid neighbors who post, uh, things about you on the neighborhood app just because they're like, Oh, this person showed up at my door and this person wrapped toilet paper around my tree. Oh no. But in the 90s, you could do it all the time. No one had cameras everywhere. We even had slides. Like, imagine playgrounds right now. Playgrounds have tubes. They don't want anybody to ever fall out. That Like, we, we bubble wrap our kids. Back in the day in the 90s, like, we had metal slides that went just straight down. Straight down. You'd shoot off, like, feet. Feet. It, it was a blast. Um, just, it was a special moment, uh, like, because it made me who I am, my, my origin story of growing up in the nineties, I had a chance to, to become more of a risk taker. Um, I, I had a chance to become more of a risk taker. I, I had a chance to, to build uh, perseverance and endurance in me. I had a chance to, to be more creative. I had a chance to absolutely love nature. There's things about your origin story, your beginning that creates so many things in you. Like, like there's things that are like lowest of the lows and, and those things make uh, elements in you, characteristics in you. And, and then there's highest of the high moments that build things in you. And then there's moments of like perseverance and drive and I can't believe I made it through that. The odds were totally against me, and, and I made it through. And, th and then there's awesome, incredible, beautiful moments in life that, that build and deeply shape your life today. We, we all have origins. We all have stories. We all have things that make us or break us or whatever you want to say. And I don't believe it starts with your birthday either. It doesn't. We might say that. We might say, well, I was born in 83. That's when my origin starts and begins. That's not true. Every single one of us, 
our origin stories actually come together and align at one specific moment in time, in history. It's not when America was created or when your parents came in uh, into this country, whatever it is. It's not about that, but it's actually at the creation of the world. All of our stories align in one specific place at creation, and it is labeled and it is spoken about in a book called Genesis, the beginning of time, the beginning of the earth, the beginning of civilization as we know it started in Genesis chapter one. And this is where God begins our origin story and the story and the origin of this planet. If you look with me, go to Genesis chapter one, verse one, Genesis chapter one, it starts with that. It says in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's two things in here that we first have to point out and we first have to think about is in the beginning, God. That God is self-sufficient, God is self-existent, that God is sovereign, that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing. God has always been. Nothing ever created God. No one ever did. God has always been. And we have to believe that, that God was, was uh, before the beginning of time, at the beginning of time, and will always be in time. He is. And on top of that, he created everything. It wasn't like a, a blob or, or a big bang or a molecule or an organism or an evolving thing. It wasn't that. No, 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 no. It says that God created the heavens and the earth. That means everything. That means the universe. That means all. And that, that reminds me too with this, that that verse, it declares and demands a response. You have to respond to that. You can't just say, I, I, am, uh, I believe it. Maybe I don't believe it. I don't, maybe I believe in more matter and, and chance than this, but I believe in Jesus. No, you can't take anything of Jesus without believing in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You have to believe. It demands that you believe in God, that God has always been, and he even, uh, he, he's doing everything now. And you have to believe that he created all. In order to believe in Jesus, you first have to believe that God created everything, that everything was created by his hand, that he is the master artist at work. You first have to believe that. And once you believe that, once you understand that, once you have truth in that, then you can believe everything of the Bible. So that first verse demands a response. And then what we're going to talk about today is actually verse 2 and verse 3 and the rest of creation through the, the, the six days of creation. That's what I want to focus on today. I want us to look at that the creation, the, the artistic process that God went through to make everything. Now that we know that he was in the beginning, and now that we know that he created the heavens and the earth, well, how did he create the heavens and the earth? And why did he create the heavens and the earth? And what did it mean to the people contextually of Israel, of, of the Hebrews? What did it mean for them? What was God speaking to them? As well as what is, what is God speaking to you and to me? That, that's what we're going to focus on. So let, let's dig in. Let's look at, at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And I'm stoked to look at this. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let me read it again. Now the earth was formless 
and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let, let me give you a, a little story real quick. Um, when we built the home that we live in, the, the home that we have is about two and a half years old. And I remember when we were searching for a home in Surprise, we were looking for a specific place where we could have community with people and 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 build relationships and and raise our kids and and have life. And when we landed in the area that we landed in, there was absolutely no homes. And we had a thought. We had, okay, we can spend the money on a home that's about 10, 15 years old, or we could purchase a new home for the same price. So we went with the new home and, and we, we found a place that there was nothing there. It was just a piece of land. And we we're like, that is where we want to build it. And then, and we love the home that they want to build on this builder. And so we, we signed a contract right away. And then all of a sudden we saw the, the form of the slab and the, the uh, plumbing going in and, and all of the electrical elements beginning to evolve and and um, to, to be built up. And then the frame went up and then the stucco and, and walls and, and uh, the, the roof and the landscaping and everything happened. Everything happened. It was created. And then all of a sudden, closing time, we get the keys to our house. Well, what do you do when you get the keys to a brand new house? You go to it instantly and you check it out and you marvel and you, 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 you um, investigate, you, you check it out. And so we brought our kids and we go into this house. House was gorgeous. Well, it, it had a frame. It had a structure. It was created. But in reality, it was formless. It, this is what I first noticed. Our house was formless. And formless, what, it, what it's actually insinuating, what it's talking about in verse 2, is formless means to be uninhabitable or, or chaos. And chaos is actually different. What Jesus, what God means, what God means in this isn't crazy and disturbing, but the chaos of empty and void, okay? So, so our house was, was a, a empty place and it was uninhabitable. It would be almost considered like a wasteland because there was nothing in it. We had no furniture to form a living room. We had no beds and dressers and lamps and chairs to, to uh, form the, the bedrooms. And we had no dishes or or food and refrigerator and nothing in our cabinetry and and there was nothing in that space and it was formless. There was no form to it. Kind of like the earth. The earth was created. It was a ball. But at that moment, there was nothing there. It was formless. It was uninhabited. It was empty. It was void. It was chaos. The other thing I noticed about my house was the backyard. I looked in the backyard and, and all of a sudden I just saw just a, a dirt, just just dirt everywhere. It was a plot of land that, that there was nothing there. It was empty, formless and empty. There wasn't a pool. There, it was incomplete. There wasn't a trampoline. There, were, uh, there wasn't like furniture to sit on and there, there weren't any plants. It was just empty. And that is how God describes the earth at this moment. He says that it's formless and that it's empty, that there's no form to it, there's no structure to it, there's no order to it, and there's no life there. It is incomplete. It is void. It is nothing at the moment. Well, I think this really is God giving you the artistic process of how he created everything. Through these two words, he forms the artistic 
process and and it's beautiful and it's amazing because what he did is it says that the words came forth that words came out of his mouth and it's a beautiful picture of of words swirling and circling coming off of his lips and forming and shaping uh everything but at the moment when you hear formless and, and empty all you have is a canvas all you have is a slab of, of stone or marble. All you have is a lump of clay. And, and he's saying, you know, you have this, this canvas. There's a, a, uh, there is an earth there. There is a shape at the moment there, but it is formless. There's nothing on the canvas. The creation has not been made yet. And he says, you know what? I'm going to walk through this process of how I created everything. That's what he says. And I am going to turn something that is formless into a form. And I'm going to turn something that is empty and incomplete into being filled and living. And it starts off, if you go to day one with me in verse three, he begins this talk about structure of the earth and it being formless into form. He says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Let me give you a few notes about each piece. This is an incredible thought. This is an incredible imaginative, like if you had, of course, I'm not imagining it. It truly happened. But I'm just saying, if you think in your mind how amazing it is that God created light without the sun, without the moon, without the stars, nothing that we consider to bring light, nothing that we consider to illuminate our planet is created at the moment. It is only that light is created. And where did that light come from? What radiated the light? What brought the light forth? It is only the glory of God. God, in all of his glory, illuminated light, brought light forth. And it says that he separated the light from the darkness. He pulled light. He brought light out of the darkness. And I love the picture of foreshadowing to say that Jesus Christ in salvation, when he saves people, he brings them out of darkness and it puts the light inside of them. It's a beautiful picture. As well as um, this whole concept of light, uh, it, it is spoken of in, in Revelations at the end of the Bible when it says that it, the new city and new the Jerusalem, the holy city, when we are all gathered there, there will be no need for the sun. There will be no need for the moon and the stars. There, there will not be any night, but light will always be and it will radiate and come forth from the living God that we will be able to be in his presence. He establishes light. And I think also to think about that, what is so amazing is that God was showing you his control and his power over the darkness too. He was saying, hey, there is chaos and emptiness and voidness, I guess if that's a word, but there, but there's emptiness and there's chaos of the dark. And I am putting control and I'm putting power and I'm starting something new and I'm dividing something. I am taking chaos of darkness away. It is no longer empty. Light has filled the void. It has been formed. And then in verse six, you have day two, verse six. And God said, let there be an expanse, meaning a space between the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And this is what happened. God made this expanse, the space to separate the waters of the heavens 
and God called the expanse sky. God called the expanse sky. That's what he did. He created the atmosphere, the, the waters of the atmosphere above and the waters of the land below. He creates this expanse in between this sky and it's really power and control over the chaos of the water because the two things that you have that can that create the emptiness and chaos in verse two is the darkness and the water. That is what makes it formless and empty. And he says, you know what? I'm going to control the chaos and I'm going to, I'm going to have power over the chaos of the darkness and the chaos of the waters. And I am going to set its boundaries and structure and form and order in place. In verse three, or sorry, verse nine, day three, verse nine. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, land appear. And it was so, God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees that bear fruit according to their various kinds. And it was so. And halfway through verse 12, and God saw that it was good the third How amazing is that, that God in these first three days, he takes what is formless, what is void, what is chaos, what is empty, what is uninhabitable, and what is a wasteland, and he forms it, he creates it, he gives shape like a lump of clay, he gives it form. And now it has the ability to have inhabitants. It now has the ability to have living life on it. And now has the ability to be filled. But at first, you have to do something. Like, I think about Bob Ross, okay, Bob Ross. When you paint something, when an artist paints something, like Bob Ross, when he paints something, what does he always start with? He always starts with the background. The background. Before you have a foreground, before you have a point of reference and a point of of, of focus, on a work of art, an artist will always, always, always paint the background. Why? Because the background gives everything else shape. The background gives everything else form and it gives it structure. You always want to put the sky in and the mountains in and the rivers in and and the trees in the background and the birds in the background because then you can put the foreground over the top of it. You can fill it. You can inhabit. uh, You can put inhabitants in it, but you first have to form it and structure it and shape it. And that's what God does in the first three days. And then the second part of the process, he begins the foreground. He begins more with the the filling and the completeness of his creation. He takes what is empty and fills. Let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day and night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. Verse 16, God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. You have the sun and the moon. And I love is is, uh, also a little cherry on top. Uh, By the way, God also made the stars. God also made those. And God saw that it was good the fourth day. What is he doing here? He's completing it and he's starting with time. He's creating seasons and calendars and, and, and hours and minutes and seconds, all for the purpose for us to fulfill our responsibilities, 
uh, physical responsibilities, work responsibilities, life responsibilities, and even spiritual responsibilities. That is what he's beginning to put in place. If there was no time, if there were no seasons, how does like a farmer do anything? No, a farmer needs to know the seasonal calendar. The farmer needs to know what month it is so that they know when to plant and they know when to harvest and they know when to do this thing or that thing. Like you need these moments. And even for the people of, of the, the Jews, the Hebrews, they needed a calendar to know when to do their festivals and when to celebrate the things that God wanted them to celebrate in certain times. And that's what he's starting with. And then he goes to verse 20. The fifth day, God said, let the waters swarm with fish, like, like living creatures, fish, not, not just goldfish, not just trout or salmon or, or catfish, but, but like the Leviathan, the, the great monstrous beasts, the dinosaurs, the megalodons, the, the, uh, I mean, even, even the Bible, uh, makes mention of dragons. Like it's crazy to think of all of the creatures that God was making in the sea. And I even believe that there are creatures in the bottom of the sea or in deep parts of the sea or locations of the sea that he created just for him. Not for you, not for me. No, no one will ever discover them. I really believe that. But they're all for his glory. There's like his fish tank. There's his fish tank. Like he is enjoying his fish tank of fish and creatures in the sea that only he can see and only he can enjoy. And then he says, let birds fly above the earth across the sky. How beautiful is that? Think about birds, how magnificent that they can soar upon the wind. No matter what gravity does, they uh, can soar. On little feathers that can easily be snipped by scissors, like those feathers hold them in the air and their muscles don't get exhausted. That's crazy. Because like my muscles would get exhausted. Like flap your arms for a, a bunch. You, you get exhausted, but birds, they don't get exhausted. They're powerful. They're mighty. And then in verse 22, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, increase in number and fill the seas and let the birds increase on the earth the fifth day. And God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and bugs and, and small animals and wild animals. I love the fact that uh, every type of animal is so unique in its own right. That God just so creative and so magnificent and, and, and powerful in how he created every single animal, every uh, genre and type of animal and, and species of animals so unique. But not just that, each individual uh, dog is different and each individual um, creature and bug is different and mighty in their own right. Verse 26, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, birds in the air, livestock, wild animals, and creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. Male and female, he created them. Uh, male and female, he created them. He creates men and women. He creates... I could go all day on that one, but I, I, I'm not going there yet. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Verse 31, and God saw all that he had made and it was very good the sixth day. 
few things I could easily say about that that I, I love is um, in verse 26, he said, then God said, let us, let us. How amazing that he shows us the Trinity. He shows us that it's not just um, God the Father. No, no, no. That there is God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You have all three parts of the Trinity that got together, stood there and said, hey, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And, and I don't know if it necessarily means physical likeness. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I do know, I do believe that there are things in our characteristics and abilities inside of us that God put his stamp on us that is uh, in the likeness of him inside of us in our heart, in our, in our spirit, in our soul. But I love that, that it shows that all three had a part in creating humankind. That they are all separate individuals, but they're all of one mind and one, and, and one heart and one will and desire and purpose. That's the first thing. But the other thing that, that I notice here is it says fill. I love this because God is taking what is empty and fills and completes creation. But then what he does is he says, you know what? I want to give a part of, of this process into your, I trust you humans and animals to fill the earth, subdue the earth, go forth in the earth. He wants that. And actually at the tower of Babel, the, the people of the earth at the moment, they were super rebellious. God had commanded them to fill, go out and fill the earth create more humans and subdue the earth, enjoy the earth, glorify God in going all over the earth. But in their rebellion, they actually, it shows the heart of man to be selfish. They thought they'd be better off with, with coming together and making one big city in the middle of nowhere and then thinking that they could build a tower that reaches up to the heavens and that they could be as uh, amazing as God as powerful as God, as glorious as God. No way! No way! And of course, you get the, the confusion of languages at that moment, and then they go out and fill the earth. But God desires for life to fill the, the emptiness of the earth to be filled with life. So why? Now my, my question is, what, why do we have this story? Why did God give us this this origin story. Why did he tell us the process of how he artistically created everything? Why? What, why did he speak to Moses to say, Moses, tell my people how I created the earth. Tell my people what they should know about the creation of the earth. It, here's, here's what it is. It boils down to one word and the why. It, it, it's one word, especially because let's look at the context first. Why did he speak it to the Israelites? And it's one word, hope, hope, hope in a great God, a mighty God, a powerful God, a strong God, a patient God, a loving God, and a protective God, a God that can do anything, the almighty, sovereign, living God. You, you got to think contextually, where did the people of Israel just come from? Uh, of course, they're not there anymore, but where did they come from? They came from Egypt right before this point when Moses says this. Egypt. Well, what did they do in Egypt? They were slaves. They were enslaved to the powers of Egypt. And, and, and people who are enslaved 
for their whole lives, their minds, in their minds, they are formless. In their minds, they are empty. They are they feel worthless. They feel incomplete. They feel nothing and they feel chaos and, and they feel void. And and they're in their minds, they're probably like, what? We just saw our parents who experienced everything that God did in Egypt. We saw them struggle because they were they were slaves. And, and we thought that they were gonna help us and, and lead us at because the ones that Moses is talking to, they were children in Egypt at the time. And now they're adults when Moses gives them this, this origin story and this purpose of, of what God is talking about. But they, they were like, I don't understand. Mentally, I'm still a slave in my mind. How can I go into a promised land and do what God calls me to do when I have the mind of a slave and these people are powerful and rich and prosperous? I can't do it. And God wanted to instill hope in them. Say, hey, you know what? I can do everything. I am the sovereign, amazing God. See, with formless, what God was trying to speak to the Israelites, he's saying, hey, by the way, let me give you shape. Let me shape your heart. Let me shape your integrity. Let me shape the character of who you are, your very essence. Let me shape that. Let me make you uh, my, my children and my people, and, and I will be your only God. I am your only God. Let me shape that. And I don't want you to be formless. I want you to be formed, meaning I am going to make you into a great nation. You can hope that and, and believe and know that I have made you into a great nation, and I will continue to make you into a great nation. Because God made a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And they would be a great nation. And what came out of that nation? Our Lord and Savior. As well as the, this emptiness that God speaks about, what he was trying to tell the Israelites. He's saying, hey, by the way, you, will, you won't be empty anymore. You will be filled with descendants and prosperity and blessings and power in the promised land. You are going, you're going into a place that you've never been. You will be confused there. You will struggle there. But you know what? Hold your head up high and hope in me, the great God. That's what he's saying. And I will shape you and I will form you and I will fill you. That is what he wants them to know, that he will complete them, that he will turn them from nothing into something. And so what does this have to do with you? And what does this have to do with me and humankind and mankind and everybody and their mother? What does it have to do with? Well. It's exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Without Jesus, we are formless. Without Jesus, we are empty. Without Jesus, we are incomplete. Without Jesus, we are in the darkness. Without Jesus, we are uninhabitable. Without Jesus, we are void and there is chaos. We are empty. We are nothing. We need Jesus. And that's what this story has to do with us, that God is showing you and showing me that he made a plan to redeem us, to redeem us out of the chaos. To He planned to shape us. He planned to form us and he plans to fill us. And, and I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 says this very thing. He says, for God said, let there be light. Uh, for God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, okay? He's talking about creation. Has made this light shine. This light, what is the light? 
It's the glory of God. It is God himself. It is his son, Jesus Christ. This light shine in our hearts, the hearts of humans, so we could know the glory of God, so that we could come back into creation with God, or uh, relationship with God, sorry. As creations of God, we can come back into relationship with God. Know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. How beautiful is that? Because you know what? Before we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we are just his creation. But then when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, his light, the essence of his light, everything of his light, the glory of God comes inside of us and, and illuminates our lives. And we actually turn from his creation into his children. Did you know that? You're not a child of God until you give your life to Jesus Christ. You are just his creation. You are made by his hands, which is great. But it is even greater to give your life to Jesus Christ and become a child of God. We are adopted children. And in the Roman culture, in the Greek culture back then, adopted children had full blood rights as somebody who, who was a blood child, meaning uh, who uh, was the, the birth children of those parents. You had the same rights. You, you weren't known as the adopted kid or, or the, the foster kid or, or the one out of place, the redheaded stepchild. You weren't known that. You were known as a, as a legitimate child in that home. God wants to illuminate you. He wants to put his spirit in you. He wants to uh, have his glory seen through you. He wants to give us hope and form, and shape, and fill us. So, so how do I conclude this? What, what should we say? What should we talk about? Well, the first thing that we have to know, without Jesus Christ, without giving our lives to Jesus Christ, we are formless, and we are empty. That's, that's a sad state. And, and I pray that if you feel formless, and if you feel empty, if you feel that there is a void, and you feel incomplete, Please give yourself and your life and everything you have to Jesus Christ. Believe. And that's what giving, that's what salvation is. Salvation is a simple prayer, not from the head, but from the heart. Asking God, hey, saying, you know, God, I believe in you. I believe, God, that you were in the beginning. I believe, God, that you created everything. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, came back to life, all to save me, to give me the opportunity to be a child of God. And say you're sorry, apologize for how you've lived, that you've been living in darkness. And then say, God, I ask you to be the Lord of my life, the Savior of my life. I ask that you put your light inside of me, and I will live every day for you. Accept the free gift that he is giving you of salvation, of life, eternal life, abundant life, full life, a relationship with him. Please accept that. Be united into him. Let him come in. That's the first thing that we first have to recognize and, and uh, make a decision, a response to. We are called to be formed and to be filled, not to be formless and empty. He came to fill us. And even now, like, well, what am I supposed to do now? I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? It's a continual process to be formed. It's a continual process to be filled and, and shaped. It's just not a once and done thing. Like creation, he intentionally did creation in six days and rested on the seventh. 
there's intentionality. God could have just spoken everything all at once and boom, could have appeared in, in a millisecond of time. But he chose to do it in a process. And I believe that's intentional even for us now that God wants to continue to form us, continue to complete us, continue to form us and shape us and, and fill us. He wants to do that. And how do we, uh, uh, like, how does that process look? Well, first of all, it's not you who fills and shapes and forms. It is his Holy Spirit inside of you. And it's taking his word. It's, it's reading his word and saying, God, as I read this, Use your Holy Spirit to teach me and guide me and direct me and keep shaping me. I think about an artist's canvas again. You know, most masterpieces from hundreds of years ago, um, there's a painting underneath a painting. Like the Mona Lisa, there could potentially be another painting on that canvas behind it. Or, or it could have been a painting of Mona Lisa, but it needed to be edited and tweaked. And what I'm saying is that an artist's work is never done. There's always a process. An artist will never feel that their art is complete. They'll always want to go back and continue to shape it and form it and fill it and tweak it and, and so much more. And that's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to keep forming you more like Jesus Christ. He wants to keep filling you with his presence. He wants to keep shaping you into the man and the woman that you are called to be. Please let him. Please, 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 please let him. Let him continue to shape you. It's the challenge. Let him shape you and form you and fill you. And if you are formless and empty, give him your life. Please give him your life. Let me pray. God, I pray that those that feel formless and feel empty, I pray that they give you your uh, give you their life. I pray that they give up their life to you. Accept you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior in their life. And they follow you with all of their heart. That you take them out of darkness and into light. That you separate them out of darkness. You form them and shape them and mold them and fill them. And for, for us, those that have given you their life, I pray that, that those, uh, those individuals, those saved individuals, that they continue to be formed by you, continue to be shaped by your hand and to be filled with your presence every day. God, continue to do a mighty work, mighty, mighty work. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you need prayer, please DM us. Please comment. Please um, do whatever you need to do to share your prayers with us. We want to pray for you.